week on Live to Sustain, we are talking about food. This is season two, episode one. It's our first episode in 2019. This year, we are guaranteeing that we're going to put out 12 episodes. That's one per month. So expect them at the end of every month or the beginning uh, of, of each month, right? Mm-hmm. And we have a different theme picked out for every month. So I think next month, we're going to talk about waste. Yeah, trash. Then, trash. Yeah, trash. <laughs> and then water the following month. So we kind of have a theme and we're going to talk about how to incorporate sustainability into your life in each of these different areas. Yeah, absolutely. We, we take a very realistic approach to what we do. We kind of test these things out. We research them. We look into them. We read about them and we try to whittle everything down and make it easy for you guys to understand so that you can apply it to your lives or just take action in your life. All right. So back to this week, though, or this month. We're talking about food. And in particular, we're talking about cultured meat, where we are going to talk about meal planning, and we're talking about global food. Uh, so I think we can get right into it. I'll start out and I'll explain cultured meat and why we're talking about that. <clears throat> I, I think why it's the forefront of our minds and why it came up and why it was a subject that we wanted to look into is because it just sounds crazy and interesting <laughs> and uh, especially when you call it cultured meat. So if people don't know that's lab grown meats and it, from what I could find it sounds like it, the first time it really came to being was around 2000, 2001. I think NASA was looking into providing I guess meals for astronauts and began generating lab-grown meat from turkey cells and then there was a research or a bioscience research consortium called Toro or NSR something like that um, and they managed to grow fish fillets uh, from goldfish cells that was back in 2000 uh, and I'm not sure that any of those were edible or really tried I think the first time that somebody actually ate lab-grown meat was a burger patty that was produced by a lab that Mark Post, uh, I guess maybe was the owner operator or head of, but Mark Post is a professor of vascular physiology and tissue engineering and is CSO of Mosa Meat. So back in 2013, uh, their company created a patty and they tried this and made you know a big public thing about it and I'm sure a lot most people heard about it. And I think at the time there was a uh, some anonymous donor, philanthropist, who was donating to this particular company to make all this happen. And it turned out to be uh, Sergey Brin from Google, one of the Google co-founders. Um, and a little side note, that burger cost about roughly $300,000 to make. Well, so what was it made of exactly? I don't know what it consists of. That's well, you're going to discuss that for us, right? A little bit later, you're going to kind of differentiate between you know, these different lab-grown foods. I thought you were the synthetic meat expert. Well, I certainly am no expert, but, it, I mean, it's it's grown from the cells of other, you know, existing tissues, existing animal tissues. So you've got, like, a cow, it's alive, you're going to, like, swab its mouth or something, and then somehow you're going to grow meat. Uh, I'm not as sure it's as simple as, you know, swabbing a mouth. I mean, it's, you know, involves these kind of tissue goo serums. I mean, it, I didn't want to go into explaining it. I, I did read what it was online and I didn't even take note of it because I just wasn't trying to gross people out, you know, online. But you can look that up if you want to know specifically what it's made of. Okay. 
But um, now we come to today. So that was 2013. And then in two, today, 2019, again, I think why we're talking about this cultured meat was is the recent success of this Impossible Burger. And Laura's looked into what that is and is going to explain the Impossible Burger. I, a lot so, of people, yeah, I'm sure, have so, heard of it. Um, what I can tell you about the Impossible Burger versus what Adam was talking about. So Adam is talking about creating kind of a meat that is made out of something that came initially from a, a real animal. So right. some type of cell or tissue from a real animal and then cultivating that in the lab and creating a substance that is somehow chemically the same as real meat, but you didn't have to kill <clears throat> an animal to get it. Right. So the Impossible Burger... In contrast to that is a completely plant-based burger. So there's no animals involved, you know, not even a little cell from an animal. This is entirely plant-based, but it is similar um, to cultured meat, I guess, in that it's a lab-grown product. It's kind of, you know, they start with a plant. I think it's um, the root of a soy plant. So they yeah. start with that, and they're getting this molecule. So apparently there's this molecule. It's called the heme molecule, H-E-M-E, and it's a molecule that it's um, found in a lot of meat. It carries the iron in the meat, and so it gives it that, you know, I guess that meaty flavor. Okay. But apparently it's a substance that is present in all living, all living things, so you can get it from plants. So they're getting this heme molecule, from the root of a soy plant and then they're taking that into their lab and they're you know doing their magic on it and they're growing that <laughs> and they're turning that into a delicious plant-based burger patty okay. so no animals involved all plant-based right. but they're you know using chemistry they're mixing it with coconut fat to give it like a little bit of fattiness and, yeah. and i think they said potato flakes will give it that kind of crispy outside yeah. so they really wanted to mimic the texture of real meat and a real burger so they've sort of played in the lab and done some chemistry and fancy cooking to create a delicious i haven't tried it i super yeah super i was gonna say i think it. it's been a success I, i'm hearing a lot of people who have had it say it's great um and I, it's very recent right i think i think it was just in this summer that the fda um basically approved it um, to be sold and I, I think well, it's 2014 only is when they approved the heme product or the kind mm -hmm. of main ingredient okay. as generally regarded as safe that's like I see. the classification that it Got received it. in 2014 it the company was founded in 2011 so it's been kind of like eight years that they've had the product mm -hmm. out there but i think really only in the past few years has it you know, become super popular. But it, it was like in some fancy restaurants. Like the first restaurant it was in was in New York City, Momofuku. Yeah. It's like a nice high-end restaurant. It's not restaurant. cheap, right? I mean, it's 14 15 16 I, I don't know how burger. much it costs, actually. <laughs> but it really, you know, in the beginning, they only served it in like really nice, fancy places. But now I think they're coming out with a new version that's available in a, a bunch of places. 
Awesome. Okay, so thank you. That was helpful. I didn't know how it was made. And I wanted, though, to clarify and make that distinction between what we're talking about, which is cultured meat, which is supposed to really resemble meat, you know, and be like the same consistency and really texture, and it is meat, uh, but it's grown in the lab, versus the Impossible Burger, which is a plant-based burger, and it's grown from the things that Laura described. And um, there are other companies who grow different things in labs too that are kind of meant to replace burgers uh, but some of the existing uh, meat startup companies the ones that are focused on cultured meat uh, some of the names of those i mentioned mom what is it mark post who's a part of most meat right um, did i get that name right i just want to double check oh well anyway cultured meat startup so there's memphis meats super meat most meat finless Foods. Finless Foods is actually making like fish. Uh, so, I mean, and remember, I mentioned the cost was three hundred thousand dollars. So, crazy. yeah, I think that's why a lot of these aren't even in market yet. And I don't know how healthy they are. I do know that one of the companies mentioned they are making. You know, they can make the quarter pounder burger for six hundred dollars. I'm sure that cost is going down quickly. But here's some questions, right, Laura? Like, are people going to eat this? I do not want to eat. The fake. Meat. I would. I will try the Impossible Burger. I'm intrigued by the Impossible Burger, which is the plant-based one. But the stuff you're talking about, where they're, you know, doing weird lab meat. I don't know. I don't want to try it. I want someone else to try it and tell me if they like it. <laughs> yeah, let us know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that there are being there's research being done in surveys, and it sounds like for the most part, people aren't too interested in replacing their real meat or you know natural meat, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Did, so, did we mention some of the names? Like, so we've been calling it cultured meat, but I think it's literally called lab-grown meat or clean meat um, because we didn't mention all of the really environmental, you know, benefits. Mm, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Why would anyone want to eat this weird lab-grown well, meat? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because uh, you know, the meat industry takes up a lot of land and it can be environmentally damaging, right? So, producing these cultured meats takes up 1% of the, you know, resources. I mean, it, it, it's footprint altogether. I don't have all the specific information, yeah, but it's footprint as... altogether is much, much less than what it takes to produce, you know, your typical mm -hmm. burger. Yep. Um, so that may be a reason people want to eat this, right? But yep. I think people are a little nervous about it. Um, one of the challenges, and it was mentioned in that taste in 2013, is the, ta um, is the taste. Uh, you know, it's these meats aren't grown with bones and fat in them, and that contributes a lot to the flavor that we get from these burgers that we like. Mm -hmm. And I would just like to add that I think there's also some really good meat substitutes that are just like regular food, not weird lab-grown <laughs> yeah. stuff, like the quinoa burgers yeah, yeah. from Q Wrench. Like yeah, those, those are, are super good really to me. Good. They taste like fried chicken patties, and like we've had some really good black bean burger patties. So you don't have to eat weird lab-grown meat to have a meat substitute. But we're just you know we were talking about it because it's like weird. Yeah, Rag Raglan's here in San Diego. They make a really good black bean burger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, I love it. And all right. So and then, I mean, is the meat gonna, even going to be healthy for you? That's the kind of last obvious question that I have is, is it good for you? And what is it doing to you? That's weird. You know, meat that's grown in the labs. But I don't know. That's coming from a perspective of not knowing a lot about it. But, yeah, I don't know either. But I would definitely want, you know, to see some other people eat it and then find out what happens to them before I, I choose to eat it. Yeah, well, so if anybody wants it, it sounds like 
Mosa meat. I think uh, earlier I had mistakenly called it most meat. It's Mosa meat. And um, they're expecting maybe 2020 to bring to market. Uh, so if anybody's interested, look for it in markets. Mosa meat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next on the show, meal planning. And again, the theme this month is food. And we wanted, we're talking everything food. And specifically how to eat more sustainably, how to buy your food more sustainably. Yeah. So in That's why we're focusing on meal planning, right? Is, is because there are two sustainability-related benefits. And in particular, um, by doing meal planning, it helps us make uh, purchase decisions that are more informed, right? We've thought it out. We've thought about our recipes. We aren't just maybe buying in bulk. Because food waste is a huge problem. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, you know the numbers but food waste like 40 percent of the food that's grown in the u.s well we do have those numbers and we're going to talk about that in the global food next Mm -hmm. but um you know and then so really the two points of why is our is meal planning sustainable and why are we talking about it is because again it helps you to make better purchase decisions and just proper purchase decisions um and so that you buy from brands maybe that are better for the environment and you're not wasting food like laura was saying and but also it's just healthier for you if you're thinking about what you're eating you know um so in terms of making informed purchase decisions i know that laura and i've been reading a lot lately about basically how eating so much meat affects the environment and the greenhouse gas emissions associated with it so um experts whoever they are right there's a lot of them scientists and climate you know people who study the climate and and you know agriculture and and our diet and things basically are suggesting that we have to our, our meat consumption they're suggesting we cut it in half so i believe in 2018 the u.s ate per person in one year on average 223 pounds of meat that's, that's a lot i mean that is a lot. <laughs> and but but sorry what they're suggesting is that you have to cut that in half so they're suggesting people eat only 110 pounds of meat per person per year in the u.s so meal planning, it helps you to think about those things, you know, plan out your meals in advance so that you're just maybe having a burger once a week instead of every night. <laughs> um, all right. And then, you know, I think meal planning helps us who people who are busy, right? Most of us, if you're while you're working at lunch, you know, you head out from the office and if you didn't bring anything, you're buying lunch out and the options aren't always Crazy. yeah and, you're spending money you're getting unhealthy fast food yeah so we're just trying to we brought this up because we are just trying to make it comfortable for people who haven't thought about it i know that it's not a new concept and you know planning your meals is things you you can find everywhere right but we have a few examples on our website that'll help show you guys how simple it is um, and we demonstrate some ingredients that you guys can use so check out the website and look at the meal plans. And then I want to talk a little bit about a couple different food delivery things that we've been trying out recently that we really like. Well, the first one, Splendid Spoon. I've been doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. And Splendid Spoon is a plant-based meal delivery service. So they do smoothies, breakfast smoothies. They do lunch bowls, which are delicious, vegetable-based mm-hmm. lunch bowls. And then they also have... um 
a souping day and they deliver all to your house and it's all ready to go and it's super easy because when I'm busy and I'm stressed out I just love to you know grab a smoothie from the refrigerator it's really delicious it's all plant-based and then I can bring a lunch bowl to school so I found that super helpful and I think it's a good way because I don't know I think for me a lot of people are like okay I'm down to cut back on meat but like I seriously I don't even know where to start like I can eat cheese pizza I can do that I can do a grilled cheese sandwich okay but like what do I do after that like I literally don't know so I like it when a meal delivery service is gonna send me something and it's all ready to go they made all the decisions for me and it's like here eat this vegetable bowl and you're gonna like it and I did like it you know so that's blended spoon so we have um a coupon on our website so yep, you yep. should check that out Definitely. I don't know if it's not a coupon but we're we're you know offering fifty dollars off you know your first purchase so check that out excellent so that's one great suggestion um you know in the spirit of teaching which is what we're trying to do here uh that's one suggestion we want to make we I looked up some things online and you know, one I thought useful suggestion I found was if you're not sure where to start is to just list out your favorite meals. Like maybe it doesn't have to be things that you make, but like if you eat out and there's something you like or there's something you eat regularly, um, list out those meals and, you know, start start the steps towards meal planning. Um, another important meal planning um, suggestion <laughs> is to keep your food stock up in order to inv- avoid impulse food buys. Um and basically, it's important to plan ahead so that you're eating Yeah, make sure you food. have food in your fridge. Like, we loaded up today at Trader Joe's, and now we are set for a few weeks. But so then the other meal planning, you know, delivery that we've been trying recently that I really liked and wanted to talk about was Plated. Mm, yep. So Plated is they send you, we're on this program where it's two meals a week. So they send you two meals a week, and it's just all, it's not all ready for you you have to cook it so it's a little bit more work um it takes me like i think like half hour 45 minutes to cook these meals but they give you everything all pre-portioned out all the ingredients are ready to go and they give you all these recipes and we selected the vegetarian option so i like it because i don't have to think about what are we going to eat i don't have to know in my head they just send it to me i can choose they have like you know a, f- a bunch of different options every week that you can choose from and then they send them to you and then I think that's been a great way for us to try you know learn mm-hmm. a little bit about cooking and then try different ingredients and different vegetarian recipes that I wouldn't necessarily think of yeah they've been great um so a couple more suggestions apps if you for those who like to do everything technology some apps and I don't know how well these work but I looked for reviews online and I'm just going based on what everybody says and in the internet society uh, is these are apps called Cook Smarts and Pepper Plate are two that were recommended. Meal so, planning apps? Meal planning apps. So if people who need help uh, can use those apps. I'm sure they probably have things like recipes maybe already available. And, um, so check those out. And last subject is global food. And... The reason we're talking about global food today is because our global population is going to boom in the next 20 or 30 years. And how the heck are we going to feed all those people? I know that we have pockets of the world, you know, and, and this country where, um, you know, people are already going hungry. So it's kind of a big subject. When I initially started looking into it, I was looking at things like distribution and availability and growing food and 
and waste of food and hunger and it's that's overwhelming and uh, that's a lot to cover that would take me forever um, especially something like distribution but I realized there are challenges with the distribution of food and it does contribute to hunger uh, and it, it's what leaves you know some countries uh, with hungry people uh, you know in the US we produce enough food to feed everybody in this country but because of how the food is pushed around the world distributed around the world uh, you know it leaves some people hungry well, here's an interesting fact that I wanted to share. The United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization estimates that about 10 10%, 10% of the population, of the global population, is suffering from chronic undernourishment. And this was in 2016. So basically they're saying that roughly 10% of the world is going hungry, is hungry right now. Mm-hmm. So, but what's interesting is that it's not, you're saying that it's not an issue of there's not enough food. It's not like there's literally not enough food to feed 10% of the world. It's just that because the way that it's getting distributed. Yeah, well, here, here, let me read this. The FAO defines four dimensions of food security, which I, you know, food security being like, right, how can people get food or people's access to food? And those four dimensions are... Um, all of, and all of these must be fulfilled simultaneously for food security to exist. Uh, the four dimensions are physical availability of food, economic and physical access to food, food utilization, um, and st- the stability of those other dimensions over time, I guess. So basically it's saying that the, the you know, scarcity of food depends on not only just how much food is there, which is physically how much food is there Correct. but does the population have enough money to buy food because sometimes people are going hungry they're starving because they're literally don't have enough money to buy food it's not that there's not enough food for them they don't have enough money to buy the food so that's you know another reason that people are going hungry which has nothing to do with you know the abundance or scarcity of our food supply yeah and it's you know i think this is a challenge when you're when we tell people about this it's like we're trying to teach people and how to live sustainably and this is a tough one like how do people contribute to this and i'm not sure i don't know but what i do know is that it gives us perspective to understand people who are suffering in other parts of the world you know people who are coming to our borders and who need you know a place to call home because they're not getting what they need at home and um, you know, food scarcity is one of those major issues. Uh, you know. Well, and that's why we've been talking a lot on Live to Sustain this month about cutting back on your meat and dairy consumption. And the reason for that is because it takes way more land, way more water, way more energy, all these different resources go into animal agriculture. And for the same amount of that, you could be growing, you know, way more all these different crops of vegetables and grains and and beans and other types of things so you'll get way more bang for your buck growing vegetables and things like that versus putting all the money into the animal agriculture industry which is also a dirty industry it causes a lot of pollution greenhouse gas emissions you know it releases a lot of waste into the environment so it's actually a lot healthier not just for people but for our planet to be shifting more towards plant-based eating and so that's why we've been talking so much about that i guess that that is one you know that i forget you know all these interconnected things about you know plant-based eating is a great suggestion for helping people in other parts of the world 
you know, you eat less meat, then it means less demand on that sort of product in the world and less land and water and resources that gets taken up and taken away from other people. You know, think about all the grain that we grow in the country to feed those animals too. Isn't it nearly half or something? Mm -hmm. You know, like grain that is grown is fed to animals and seems like there's some people, you know, and so... Uh, so again, global food, you know, the things I think we ended up deciding to focus on were kind of waste and hunger. Those are the things that stood out to us. And in terms of waste, uh, did you know that 40% of food produced each year in the U.S. ends up in landfill or is left to rot in the field? So I, That's terrible. Yeah, I think that is, I think that's basically, you know, stuff that doesn't get taken from the land, right, is left there to rot, maybe stuff that is thrown out in the process of, you know, harvesting, stuff that's lost on the way, you know, maybe due to weather problems or whatever on the, of transportation, getting it to the store, uh, maybe it doesn't get picked up from the store, you take it home, you don't eat it, it gets thrown in the trash, these are all the things, that's that 40%, that's what all that includes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that's a, that's a lot of ways. So how do we... How do we prevent food waste? What can we do to prevent food waste? I guess, well, that's the meal planning, you know, making sure that we know how we're going to use anything. Because we watched this video. It was some commercial about, like, the life of a strawberry. And yeah, yeah. it was like it started in the farm and the strawberry mm -hmm. is growing in the sunshine. And they showed it, you know, going through all these different stages, being picked and trucked and packaged and all that. But in the end, it got, you know, it went to this family's home and they were all excited about it. And then it sat in the refrigerator and it rotted over, you know, the course of the next few weeks. And then they saw it and they're like, gross. And then they threw it away. So that totally happens all the time where yeah. I'm like, yeah, tot I forgot about those berries. And oops, now they're all moldy. Well, check this out. So this uh, author named Jonathan Bloom wrote a book called American Wasteland. He said that families throw out approximately 25% of the food and beverages that they buy. Uh, and so that's a loss of somewhere between 1300 and 2200 for the average family uh, of four every year. That's a lot of money to be, mm -hmm. to be wasting. And Not just the money, it's all the resources that it took to grow, to transport, to package, to sell it. Everything that's people's time, their lives, is a yeah. huge investment. Yeah, and, uh, you know, food that ends up in the landfill is causing greenhouse emissions, is not? Yeah, because it needs to be composted. It shouldn't be going to landfill. It needs to be composted. Yeah, so that's something we're going to talk about a lot next week uh, in terms of trash. Or one thing or we're going to talk month, about yeah. next, next month. I always say week because we were doing things weekly last year. But next month we're going to talk about trash and we're going to talk about composting. But for those who are listening now, don't wait. Start composting. Uh, here in San Diego, there are options. Um, currently, there's not necessarily a great pickup system. I think there may be for some businesses and for who signed up for it, you know. But there are places you can bring your waste to. Look this up online. The city has um, steps for how to do that. The city also has information on where you can bring it. We can talk more about composting next month because next month is, is trash month. I know, but I'm excited. <laughs> this is yeah and it is related to food it all ties together and that's yeah. kind of why you know we planned it that way just pushing next month's episode <laughs> uh and but back to waste global food 
you know, and think about meal planning and think about uh, trying to do it because when you're meal planning, you're wasting less food. You know, I know, let's be honest, we throw away some things sometimes because it gets stuck in the fridge. But I know that when we cook a, a lot and when we've planned out meals, we're not wasting and everything kind of, you know, ends up getting used. Make a soup if you have to. Throw it all in there. Don't waste your food. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Uh, we are interested in hearing feedback. We've gotten some recent feedback and we appreciate that. Uh, we are trying to apply it to our episodes um, if you tell us what you want to hear, we're going to get that for you and that's what we're going to produce. And, um, so if there's something you want to learn about in terms of sustainability, let us know. You can reach out to us on our Instagram, uh, live to sustain. You can reach uh, out to us on our website. And we love it. If you would write a review. Yes, please go. Where um, do you iTunes? listen to? Are you on iTunes? I mean, no matter where you're at, you can listen. We, you know, we're streaming out to all those uh, different devices. So if you're on your Android or whatever, use your podcast app and give us a review and give us a nice five-star rating. And tell us what you want to hear. All right. Check us out next month. Thanks for listening. Lift to sustain. <laughs> Be sure to check out our website, livetosustain.com, and follow us on Instagram, at livetosustain.com.